Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Amplify Her podcast. I am your host, Christina Singh, and I am really so excited for today's show. I'm so excited you're listening. I'm so excited in general, and I'm so sorry for that. That was so cringe. Anyway, I am joined today by Joanna Levering, and guys, this episode is just so full of just such goodness. When I was listening to this while editing, I just went through the process of healing all over again from this conversation. So if you don't know Joanna, she is a executive presence coach. And I get into exactly what that means and exactly what embracing your executive presence means. We talk about Joanna's background, how she got into leadership development. We talk about what it means to be a leader, what it means to have executive presence. We talk about authenticity in the workplace, as well as showing up for yourself in the workplace, being authentic to how you want to present yourself physically and uh, verbally and mentally and spiritually. So there's, there's a lot of goodness in this episode. Joanna is so honest and open to this conversation. And I loved speaking with someone who has had her experience. Because when you step into an environment where you are embracing your executive presence, which even just sounds like a daunting combination of words, it can be overwhelming if you don't necessarily feel grounded. So one of the conversations I really love to have with people on this show is how they've embraced that leadership, how they've navigated these new waters. And Joanna really weaves her story in beautifully and brings her experience to the table with all of this. So enjoy this interview. I hope you learn a lot just like I did. And um, don't forget that you can leave a question for me or a comment on this episode. Or if you want to chat about a new topic on the show, you can leave me a voice note. So I'm going to leave that link in the show notes. And that's where you can head to leave a voice note for the show. And then additionally, additionally, please don't forget to check out the other shows on the Amplify Her Media lineup, the Chingonas Only Club, the Momster Podcast, and Discovering Amazing Possibilities. Please go check them out. Give them lots of love and lots of listens as we are growing this community over here at the Amplify Her Media Network. Enjoy this interview with Joanna, and I hope you're having a wonderful, wonderful day. Joanna, welcome to Growing Woman. I am so freaking thrilled to have you on the show. Thank you for being here. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. You are such a lovely, lovely person to talk to. So I'm looking forward to talking more. Oh my gosh, already starting off great. Thank you so much. (laughs) So we had a wonderful conversation and we were introduced via mutual friend and past guest of this show, Madeline Pratt. And I am just so thrilled to be in conversation with you because you are an executive presence coach, correct? That that's correct, man. If you if you weren't correct, then we've got bigger problems. But yeah, <laughs> yeah that would be yeah. So, what exactly does that mean, an executive presence coach? 
Well, you know, I kind of made it up, but it Love has that. to do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it does exist. The words executive presence exist, but my background is in the world of leadership development. Number one, I've got a master's degree in leadership development and my professional career comes from that world of internal HR consulting and just making leaders better leaders. So that's number one. I'm also someone that's been trained in the theatric arts for a long time. So stage presence is a thing that I think about and use all the time in my work. And then I'm also a fashion stylist. (laughs) So to me, executive presence is leadership plus stage presence plus wardrobe. Mm -hmm. It's all the ways that people can take you in all of the data points that they can use to make a judgment about you. And so I say, why not use science-backed tools and tips in order for those people to see you even more positively? Mm, I love this. That's what executive presence is about. Beautiful. Thank you so much for that definition and for uh, being open that you pieced it all together as well. Yeah. I mean, I feel like my whole career forever and ever has always been a patchwork quilt. Mm-hmm. I have never been on a very linear path. So <laughs> I'm kind of used to piecing this together, this together and making it mine. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I definitely want to talk to you about your journey. So you said you were in leadership development before you started yep. your own business. So what led you into leadership development? Ooh, that's a great question. Well, It started when I was working at Redken, which is a hair care brand at L'Oreal USA. So right right after undergrad, I went into this marketing track and I happened to go into the beauty industry because I had a a connect, basically. Hmm. And while I was at Redken, I kind of realized that I was less interested in marketing, you know, hairspray and mousse and more interested in helping my colleagues figure out the the lay of the land, the way of the world in the office. And so I started to become the almost mother hen, the welcome wagon, the birthday person. But I just, I so much more enjoyed helping people navigate that world than actually be in the world. Yeah. What happened was I was working in this full-time job at Redkin and my mom really suddenly and tragically passed away. I had a little bit of a, an epiphany moment, like a, I don't know, like a, what are you doing with your life moment? And I had this Eureka thing that said, Joanna, you have to go back to school and study the world of HR because this is where you should land. So I actually quit my job. I went to graduate school. I was lucky enough to have the the financial cushion to do that. I also got a scholarship, but, um, and that's how I led myself into leadership development. And uh, right after grad school, I've worked with great companies like Tiffany and company and Citigroup and JetBlue. But as the years went on, (laughs) This is kind of funny, but as the years went on, the companies I started working for kept getting smaller and smaller. And now I'm a company of one. (laughs) But it's like, yeah, but it's like, I wanted more, a a bigger piece of the pie. 
as, as more tenured I became basically. Right. Right. Um, thank you so much for sharing this. And I often feel like working for larger name companies can feel intimidating for some folks, or, or we use those names to say, look, I have this great experience, but that experience can come from so many different places. However, I want to talk to you about that intimidation factor. Were you ever intimidated when you were stepping into these companies? And how did you work through that, especially when you're moving into leadership development? Oh, my goodness. I mean, who who doesn't feel imposter syndrome when they start a new job? I mean, if you don't raise your hand, then I think you're probably a sociopath. So I mean, no matter what job I have been in, I have always been intimidated. And sure, yes, those big name companies can feel much more intimidating. But actually, the fact is, at least in my experience, is that it's those large companies that actually have more infrastructure, support, and processes behind your role or behind your team. Whereas when I moved into startup land, that's the world of scrappiness, creativity. There's no budget for anything. And that's a little bit harder of a world to navigate. Mm -hmm. So for, for me, the intimidation factor was more when I went to startup world. That's super interesting because I felt the same way when I was going into larger nonprofits versus smaller nonprofits, having kind of that structure of a national model versus a local model. Um, What are some of the resources that you found most helpful in those larger companies? Did you bring them into your work with smaller startups? Oh, I, I, yes, 1000%. I was actually really glad that I started in the world of corporate because then I, I got used to asking for what I needed because in corporate, it was often there. And then when, right. And then when I went into startup world, I was the person that knew that we needed an applicant tracking system in order to hire 27 people in two months, which is something that I did at Daily Burn. So, (laughs) but we needed an applicant tracking system in order to even begin to think about doing that because I wasn't going to do it in Google Docs. So uh, uh, yeah, to answer your question, um, the the particular resources that I found most helpful were less systems resources and more people resources. Right. That makes sense. Right. Um, Number one, I think the most important person to befriend at a new company that you're at is your IT person. One thousand percent become best friends with the IT person, because I'm telling you, when you have an IT issue, you need it resolved immediately. That's the first person you should be best friends with. And the second person you should be best friends with is the office manager or the office coordinator, because that person, even more than the chief of staff, I think that person runs things where you are. Yeah. This is such great. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) No, no, that's it. That's it. Uh, This is such great advice. And I'm really curious um, because you detailed this incredible moment you had um, 
when you lost your mother and how things shifted so significantly for you. I think a lot of people can relate to having moments in their life like that pop up or incredible shifts in their lives that change the course of their lives and their trajectories Mm -hmm. and their careers. When you made this change, I'm assuming you had community around you. Um, How did your community change? And were there any significant reactions from people around you when you chose to go down this new path? Yes, yes, yes. So mind you, uh, I was 25 years old when my mom suddenly passed away. Just And just as like a little extra piece of info, my mom passed away on Mother's Day in oh. 2007. And so I was actually on the train going home for Mother's Day brunch. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, a real tragic time of my life. And I'm an only child and I'm not super close with my father. So it was a very lonely time. Yeah. And I think that we all go through these moments in life where you start to think more existentially than ever before. And you start to see, especially with death, honestly, or a brush with death, when you start to feel your own mortality, you really can prioritize things in your life very quickly. Yeah. And the, and the fact is, that marketing hair products didn't feel intrinsically fulfilling to me. And I, I realized that I, this wasn't worth it because if I'm going to die tomorrow, (laughs) then I need to be doing something that intrinsically fulfills me. And I knew that that would be helping people make positive changes in their life. And I was very interested in the world of the workplace. Yeah. So that's how I discovered organizational psychology. My community was surprised, but I have to tell you that at 25 years old, no one in my immediate circle had really experienced anything like this before. And in, you know, when I was in it, I think I was obviously depressed, but it was really hard for my friends to really connect with me on this huge change because no one had ever really, I mean, a lot of people still even had their grandparents, you know? So there were definitely friendships that I, that, that broke apart because I had to grow in a certain way and they just didn't have to, and they didn't want to. Yeah. So I don't know where I'm going with this, but yeah, my community changed quite a bit. I still have friends from that era, but I will say I lost quite a few. I did. And I, and I don't, in hindsight now, I don't blame them. I'm not angry. I was angry and sad before. I always get really sad when there's friend breakups, but I think now in hindsight, I think that it was just that they didn't know what to 
do with this? Right. A transition in any form, but in an, especially this kind of form can be really challenging for I, yeah. so many people. I just don't think a lot of 25 year olds know how to deal with a, a death period, but then also the special circumstances surrounding me being an only child, not having brothers or sisters or close cousins or a, a dad that I'm super close with, you know, it, so I rely on my friends often as family and some of my friends just like, I don't, I don't think they signed up for that. Right. Yeah. Such um beautiful introspection on this. And um, I think what's really jumping out at me during this conversation is your natural role as a leader. Um, and then that desire to embrace that leadership within yourself and help others embrace that leadership. And I'm curious, you know, when you stepped into this new space, into this new role that would ultimately lead to this current path that you're in, um, what were some challenges that you faced around embracing your own leadership? Um, yeah. And, and really putting yourself out there. I, I really appreciate what you just said, because even about how my, I'm a natural leader, because I would agree with you. And there are instances throughout my childhood and teen years that indicate that I'm a natural leader. Some of the difficulties, especially during that time came from, and and now I can see this in hindsight, but came from a lack of knowledge around how to flex my persona in front of certain audiences. And I think this is definitely the seed of executive presence that has now grown into being an executive presence coach. I would get feedback at work often. I got it as a kid in school that I was bossy. I mean, fine. How many outspoken little girls are bossy? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But You know, I've always been a pretty big personality, a force to be reckoned with. And I learned that from the women in my family. I'm very close with my Italian family and my grandmother and my mother were both just like big personalities. Yeah. But as you become a leader, you need to be a little bit more flexible with how you present yourself in front of different audiences. And that's where I wasn't so educated or practiced in that. And I got in trouble a couple of times because my gregariousness, loud volume, uh, and being too much, that's what I've been called as well, or told that I'm too much. That works in many, many situations, which I have reaped the benefits from because I've had really great experiences and I'm lucky enough to have gone to an Ivy League graduate school, blah, blah, blah. It's just that as time goes on and as you have more tenure in your professional career, you need to be a little bit more fluid and a little bit more flexible with who is in front of you because that's the maturity that you need 
in order to really succeed professionally and in life. But like, let's, we can just talk about professional. (laughs) Well, I think what you're talking about also is this partnership that comes along with conversation in general. You're, you may be steering your own ship, but you're having a conversation with someone else. You're interacting with other people. And it's so easy to think about all of the ways you can improve and all the things you can do and all of the, uh, you know, significance you can make in the workplace, but you're working with others. And I think that's really, really important to learn. So I appreciate you sharing that lesson. Yeah. I I mean, it's so true. Not many of us work in vacuums. I think there are a few people that actually do, and they set themselves up that way on purpose. But most of us, even if you're in a technical role, you do have to interact with people. And it's not just interacting. As you get further and further along in your professional career, it's more about influencing than just interacting. And influencing, there's a lot that goes into that umbrella term. Things like trust and authenticity and confidence and likability and respect. So there's a lot of things that goes into whether you're a a good influencer, not a social media influencer, right? Uh, and, And that's where executive presence really comes into play is how can we optimize all of your outward, these, as I mentioned before, these outward data points, how you speak, how you act, and how you look in order to be perceived in a more positive light so that you can influence more, more better, as my right. mom used to say, more better. <laughs> Well, I'm curious, um, you know, as you were evolving in your career, you're obviously getting into more leadership development. You're obviously working with women. So what were you seeing in your career when you were working in leadership development and that stuck out to you when leading women? Yeah. One of the biggest things that stuck out for me then and is even much more prevalent now that we're all living within this hybrid workplace, work from home pandemic hellscape is this idea of who am I allowed to be at work? Mm. Can I be my most authentic self? Because that's what HR is saying. But the fact is that any any woman of color knows that they cannot be their most authentic self, whatever that means, right, in the workplace. And I'm speaking, I am not a woman of color, but I I am. (laughs) Yes, yes, I know that. (laughs) Right? Okay. And in general, I, I would make a sweeping generalization that any person that identifies as female cannot bring their entire authentic self to work. But then, okay, does the pendulum swing to the other extreme and I have to be acting like a fake person or acting like a corporate robot? So where's the in-between and what's appropriate? Because P.S., no one teaches you this stuff. No one tells you. And so what I'm here to do 
is particularly help women, not because men don't need the help, but I think they've had a lot of help over the years. So I'm very interested in helping women find that gray area. Who can I show up and be at work, but still feel authentically me? Mm-hmm. The fact is that we have many, many pieces of the personality puzzle. I mentioned before that I'm very gregarious and I'm loud and I'm a big personality, but I also have the ability to be a great listener, more introspective and more quiet. That's still within me. It's not like that. If I were to act like a quiet person, it's not me. It's just that if we can at least identify that wide array of persona types then we can use them as tools in our toolkit. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think that so much of what you're speaking toward is battling against the patriarchy, battling against white supremacy culture, and having those things that have dictated so many of our lives be addressed and understood to a better degree. So we can find that balance as well. And I mean, yes. And let's be honest, sorry, I'm cutting you off, but let's be honest. I am, I feel very, very lucky to be living in 2022 where we're going through a second, I think a second revolution of feminism right now that was started by our, our mothers and our grandmothers in the seventies. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to all of those amazing women. And we're not quite there yet. We know that women are still not completely being paid equally or treated equally and same with people of color. We know this, but we're getting there. We're getting there. So what I'm saying is the game hasn't changed yet. But we are the ones that get the opportunity to start playing it a little bit differently. Yeah. And the fact that you are coaching women in this way and that you've had this career um, speaks volumes about the changes that, you know, our mothers and our grandmothers have made and that are still so necessary. Um, You know, I've, I have 100% felt the way that you've described. And I've had conversations with other women of color in the workplace who have felt very similarly to what you described as well. And that balance of authenticity um, and that spectrum that you talk about of of being a robot (laughs) and where we can find that balance is really challenging. It sure is. And that's why, that's why when I say When I describe my work, I often say that I want you to be able to take control of how you are perceived because taking control means that, yeah, like we're manipulating it a little bit, but we have to, in order to play a game that wasn't built for us and in many respects, isn't even inhabited by us yet in the upper ranks. Right. So, (laughs) yeah. So can we talk about some of the things that 
you've learned and like you've taught and, and what, what is this process? Like, um, I'm sure it's very individualized, Yeah, but what, what are some things that, you know, are coming to mind that are pretty baseline that you've, you've really put out there? Well, the first thing I usually do when I'm working with clients, whether it's my one-on-one clients or in my cohort mastermind is that we go through a communication style assessment. I usually use the disc. If you're familiar with that, it's a pretty common one. It's a pretty common one, but it basically, you answer a series of questions and then the report that comes out tells you your default communication style. And it can range from being more dominant to being more technical and detailed to being more persuasive and enthusiastic to being a really great confidant and listener. I do know of this. I just learned about this. (laughs) Okay, great. Yes, yes, you do. So um, while all of us have a little bit of all four types within us, the fact is that there's usually one or two that we default towards that feels much easier for us. Now, it's one thing from a communication styles perspective, it's one thing to know where your ground zero is, but it's another thing to be able to read the people in the room and then flex your communication style towards them. And that's when the science turns into an art of of executive presence is being able to know like, okay, here's where I stand. I have a funny feeling that that head of IT is probably a more technical communicator. So let me build up all the details and the data in my presentation today. hundred percent. I, mean? I would also imagine when you start working with people or when you have been working with people that there is an element of fear Um, that comes along with this process of number one, identifying that communication style. And then number two, identifying other people's communication style. It can feel even just talking about it a little overwhelming. Um, Obviously that takes practice. How do you help women push past that fear of stepping into that beautiful presence? Well, The point is that executive presence is just what you said. It's a set of skills and skills can be learned and practiced and perfected. So yeah, it's going to feel weird at first. Do you know how hard it is for me to put a presentation together with all the detail? Oh, that's not how I communicate. I, I just skip over the details. You can just forget it. I'm all about results, right? So it feels really weird at first, but the fact is that the more choices you feel that you have in your presence toolkit, those choices will make you feel more confident in any room that you're in. You just have to practice using those choices. It's when you don't feel like you have any choices like me, where I got this feedback about being too much and being too loud. And I felt like, well, this is who I am. Uh, It's either this or nothing. I don't have a choice. I didn't realize that I actually had a multitude of choices that fall within the executive presence bucket. I just didn't know what they were yet. Yeah. I feel like 
deeply resonate with so much of what you're saying. And I really want to, sorry, not sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I really want to talk to you about the fashion component to all of this. Oh, sure. I've had so um, many conversations on this show about, um, you know, authenticity in the workplace, um, feeling like you can't fully express yourself or being deemed as unprofessional in certain environments because of what you're wearing or not wearing. I remember I had a temp job that I was going to go on an interview for and the agency asked me to remove my dangly earrings. And I just over and over and over, I feel like women are being policed for what they're wearing. Um, and especially in the workplace. Yeah. So how does that element of fashion come into your work? Obviously it's something I love you love. Like, I think it's something that we can embrace, but I do have a lot of mixed feelings about like the dialogue that comes from fashion in the workplace. Uh, so do I just (laughs) let's elaborate. (laughs) I mean, there, there is a part of me that actually hates the fact that people judge us by the way we look. I know. I, I, I hate that. I hate the fact that I have to bring in fashion as a part of executive presence work because I just wish, I wish that we could all be judged by our experiences and what's on our resume. But that's not the way the world. The fact is, you know, we're animals and we're going to look at someone and think, do they belong here? Mm-hmm. Am I, am I one of them? Is this person supposed to be in this room? And so you're, listen, at the end of the day, we all have the choice as to whether or not we want to conform to those ideas. But again, it's a choice and it's a way to take control over it. That's what I wish for women. And so, sure, I, of course, I have guardrails for how to put together great outfits that are going to optimize what people see. But at the end of the day, you have the choice to say whether you care or not. (laughs) Right. 100%. I mean, before this interview, I told you I'm trying to not wear makeup today because I want my skincare to you know, sink in, but this entire interview, I'm thinking, Oh my God, I'm not wearing makeup. Oh my God. And it's like those moments that are so seeped into how we present ourselves, how we feel most comfortable in embracing our presence. I agree with you. It's very frustrating and it's a choice that you're saying. Yeah. For me, it feels less frustrating when I don't feel stuck. Right. And the stuck, the stuck feeling is when I don't have choices. So what I'm saying is like, listen, if you want to wear red lipstick one day, because you've got a big presentation and red lipstick makes you feel powerful. I say in, on that day, like you're the most important. And so like, you're going to go ahead and do it, but there's, there's actually something that I teach with my clients called the triangle of respect. I've deemed it the triangle of respect, (laughs) but it's an equilateral triangle. Okay. And there's three points on it that we all have to think about. 
respect for our goal. So what we want to get done or the reason why we're there. Respect for the other people in the room. And then respect for ourselves. And without going super duper into it, the the goal is for each of those angles on the triangle, the points to be equal so that your goal, others, and yourself get equal importance or impact. But you're the one who gets to grab a corner and say, you know what, today I'm more important. And you just have to know that that's a choice and there might be fallout on goal or other. Mm. Or uh, in, a, in a different sense, you decide, you know, I'm so, so, so tired, but I'm going to stay up and finish this project so that I hand it in on time. And so you're respecting the other person and their deadline more than your sleep. So you can like grab that corner of the triangle and pull it. Just know that the other two, there might be some fallout. You see what I mean? So 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all choices. And I realized that I veered away from the fashion stuff. Oh no. I think this is goes hand in hand. Okay. You're saying, okay. (laughs) But it, it has to do with not just your choices and the way that you speak and the way that you act, but also the way that you look. So you may decide that one day you are like, I got to build myself up. Oh my gosh. I remember true story, true story. I knew that I had a really, really, um, contentious meeting coming up. Mm. This was a few years ago, content, potentially contentious meeting coming up. And you want to know what I wore? I wore a sweater that was a little casual, but it was army camo. And I felt protected. It was, it was for me because I needed to win in this contentious meeting. So I pulled that lever a little bit more for the me side. Oh, yes. I I think 100%. I think this is so gorgeous and such an important visual for us to have in our toolkit. You know, we've talked about many different things that we can have in our toolkit throughout this, but I absolutely think, you know, understanding your choices and your priority is, you know, the most important. Yeah. (laughs) So I, I know we're nearing the end of our time, but I really wanted to ask you about your transition into starting your own venture, what led to that decision? Um, and how did that change your life? Well, first of all, like many entrepreneurs, I was doing my business on nights and weekends and working full time for quite a few years. So I never had a weekend off often working until midnight, yada, yada. I don't have to go into it because many of your listeners already know what I'm talking about. What happened was there, there is a tipping point that you are, that you get to decide is the trigger for you to quit your full-time job or maybe lessen the hours and ratchet up the time that you spend on your venture. For me, a little bit of an unusual situation, but the company that I was working for 
I discovered was doing something unethical and I could not be a part of it. And so I decided that I needed to leave again, like triangle of respect. I was like, "Mm, I, I cannot put my name on this. Mm. So I left and fortunately I had saved and frankly, because my mom passed away and then my grandmother passed away, I had a financial cushion that could support me while I was building my business. So it was a little bit of a jarring transition to go full-time because I quit this job and started to go full-time on my job, but on my business, but that is what happens. Wow. Yeah. How has it changed my life? Well, one of the more practical things that not a lot of people talk about is going from a job where your time is very bound to other people to then having your own business where your time is completely your own. I had a really hard time transitioning with schedules. It took me, I think, a year in order to figure out how my day would look. Because if I didn't saying that. Yeah, like a lot of people talk about that. No, but I was so confused. Like, if I don't have to wake up at 6 30 in the morning and get dressed, uh, you know, take a shower and get dressed and put on a full face of makeup, then when do I do that? (laughs) Yeah. Do I have to do that at all? So, um, it took me quite a while. And I think it's probably because I am a person that enjoys more structure than not. So I was really having a tough time. I felt like I was waiting through peanut butter for a long time when it comes to scheduling. Uh, and just like the structure of my life, when am I on and when am I off? I think I still struggle with that now. Oh, thank you for being so open about that and honest. Cause I, I struggle, struggle with that. Um, you know, with this whole transition to remote work and everything that's happened over the past two years in our lives in the workplace, I ask every person who comes on the show, um, if they can identify any allies that they have who are women, um, and who have helped them along their journey in, you know, their careers or in their personal lives. So I want to ask you the exact same thing. I am a person that asks for help. Sometimes I think I ask for help a little too often, but I, (laughs) (laughs) but but, uh, I have had a number of amazing women since I started my business that helped me bring it to where it is today. I've had several small business coaches um, namely my first business coach was Harper Spiro. She really helped me just figure out what my business was and what do I sell and how do I talk about it? She introduced me to my copywriter, Gemma, (laughs) who knows my voice now better than even I do. (laughs) I have an amazing brand strategist slash website developer named Valerie Sejas, who, I mean, she made my website and the brand what it is today. So I'm just saying like, we cannot all be 
experts in everything. And I will raise my hand and say, I'm not an expert at having a business. Mm -mm, I'm not. And so we need to find people that can help us. I found most of them at Luminary. Mm. Luminary, the women's collaboration hub and uh, in-person workspace as well, if you're in New York city, but they, all of their events are online. That's a community that if I didn't have that community, I don't, I don't know where I'd be today because not just collaborators, I've had potential clients from there, but I've also just gotten other friends that can talk to me about their experience of being an entrepreneur. So I know that I'm not insane because I got to tell you my corporate friends, they have no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah. I mean, it can feel like a very lonely process when you're doing something on your own. And, um, thank you for sharing all of those allies and, and the great resources that you found and for name dropping. I think it's really important to those people when you can. So if people would like to work with you, where can they find you? Well, they can find me on my website, www.copperandrise.com copper, because that's the color of my hair and rise up. So meet copper, rise up copper and rise.com. I'm also on Instagram, copper and rise, or you can email me at Joanna at copper I mean, whatever. <laughs> we'll put everything in the show notes. All the things. Have it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, beautiful. Well, Joanna, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. It was just so wonderful. And I'm really excited for people to hear about what you do in your journey. And I feel like I could just talk to you for so much longer about all Aww. of this. And I just really appreciate your time and just being here right now. I appreciate you. Oh, I appreciate you too. And you're doing really amazing things and I can't wait to watch your business grow. So we are definitely simpatico cut from the same cloth, my friend. (laughs) I I will talk to you soon. (laughs) Thank you so much. And to everyone listening, please never, never forget that your story matters and your voice matters. And we will see you on the next episode. Thank you, everyone. The Amplify Her podcast is a part of the Amplify Her Media Network. You can check out more shows on the Amplify Her Media Network over on Instagram at Amplify Her Media.